fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. It is the middle of the week, the greatest day of the entire week, man. I'm telling you, we see the light at the end of the tunnel. We are ready to roll through the rest of this week and carpe diem all over this place. I'm especially excited because pro Programming note for you, I will be off the next two days, Thursday and Friday. I don't remember even taking any vacation time at all this year, and I think it's about time I took a couple of days. So we're going to take some time off, relax the vocal cords a little bit, be ready to rock and roll, relax the brain a little bit too. I think it's on overdrive with how much shenanigans is going on in the world. So we'll be back at it again on Monday. We will have our live weekend syndicated national program live this weekend. So we will be ready for that one. So anyways, welcome into it. It's great to have you for a Wednesday broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, radio, TV, live streaming, and podcasting. However you watch or listen to the show, welcome aboard your Millennial General reporting for duty like we do every single day. If you are not aware, and if you do not get this program, I hope you enjoyed. I got the honor to fill in for the Todd Starnes radio program today. That was a lot of fun. Always appreciate having the opportunity to do that with him, as he is on a lot of stations all over the country and a great individual, great radio show, and we love being able to jump on with him when given the opportunity. If you missed it, you can go to ToddStarnes.com, listen to his podcast, and listen to all of our funness on that show. Bottom of this hour for this program, Dr. Mark Sherwood. He is a new guest on The Voice of Reason from the great state of Oklahoma, just south of us here in the Kansas area, as he is a former bodybuilder, former professional baseball player, and former veteran of the Tulsa Police Department, and also a doctor. He's kind of covered like all the bases there, I think, and he'll be jumping on the show to talk about ultra-masculinity and the attack on masculinity, and even just basic health in general. So we'll have that conversation in just a little bit. Uh, we're finally starting to see. Let's get into what's trending because we have a really big story for you today. This is this is huge. What's trending I mean, this today? Is, this is bigly here. And I think we're going to make it big. Yeah, this is a big story. And it's finally starting to fall into place. If you remember just a week or so ago, the push from the governor of New Mexico trying to suspend the Second Amendment, suspend the concealed carry, open carry, closed uh, concealed carry, and the permits in the Albuquerque area for the two or three counties in that region. And she did it because she said it was ongoing crime rates that were happening, the shooting of a child, unfortunately, that passed away. And she has to do something, because that's what Democrats usually do, is they say they have to do something in response. It can't just be we need to focus on what mental illness is going on, why someone felt like they had to do something really stupid. No, government has to pass some type of legislation to feel good about themselves, like they've done something for the community. Now, we already have laws on the books that say you're not allowed to commit a crime. We already have laws on the books that say that you're not allowed to commit a murder. We already have laws on the books that say that you're not allowed to possess a firearm illegally when you're doing drugs or doing other sorts of things, which we should probably remind the Department of Justice of that as they look into the Hunter Biden case. Nonetheless, We wondered why New Mexico was playing the play that they did, as she said she has to do something. And while she was open to dialogue, she hoped that there was no friction 
with her executive order because she had to do something, and therefore none of your rights are actually absolute. And if you remember right here on this program, we made the comment that it was setting up the stage for something bigger. We said that it was probably a little bit premature, that she probably stepped out of line and tried to take credit for it by doing it before anybody else, and that at the end of the day, this was the ultimate goal for the Democrat Party, but she did a little bit too early. They weren't quite ready for it. She essentially pulled the trigger, pun intended, a little bit sooner than what Democrats had prepared for for their national launch. And she used it under the um, the phasing, the stage, the fear tactics of a health pandemic, like we did with COVID. COVID's hit. We have to do something. So we're going to lock you down, force you to wear masks, force you to get a vaccine, and tell you to live in your home, not see daylight, which doesn't allow you to absorb vitamin D, which helps boost your immune system, which makes you not sick. That's another conversation for another time, though. But it was government doing something to protect you from the world. Because even though that's not the role of government, that's what they try to say is their role. And it's the opportunity for Democrats and progressives to really take advantage of a situation never let a crisis go to waste, and do something that allows them to take more control and more rights away from you. That all being said, we knew that the situation in New Mexico was the um, the premature response from Democrats, and the media went after her, the state legislature went after her, including the majority of Democrats, and that one got shut down pretty badly. And she's probably done. She's probably destroyed her political career. But the bigger question was the fact that all Democrats want to do this. When will they begin to advocate for such an agenda? What's well, finally here. And it's about to be announced on Friday this week, if you have not heard the headline, according to Politico.com. But the Biden administration is now opening a brand new department, a new agency, a new member of the fourth branch of the bureaucratic state of the federal government, also known as now. The Gun Violence Prevention Office of the Federal Government. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. This is real. This is real. They're now opening the first ever Federal Office of Gun Violence Prevention, according to Politico.com. Now, I don't know exactly what that means. We already have the ATF. We have other agencies that are supposed to keep us safe. We have law enforcement. We have the Highway Patrol. We have local county uh, sheriff's offices and uh, citywide police offices all over the country. But yet now we need a federal branch of the federal office for the gun violence prevention. And according to the article, there's really not a lot of description of exactly what this is going to do, except for just waiting on pins and needles for the announcement on Friday this week. According to the Biden administration and Peter Ambler, the executive director of Giffords, says, quote, a White House office of gun violence prevention would build on the already tremendous record of President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris on gun safety. This has been top of priority of ours for years, and it would provide an important center of gravity for leadership across the administration as the president and vice president implement historic bipartisan Safer Communities Act and continue to push Congress to pass legislation to save lives. The hiring of Greg and Rob would also show how serious this administration takes its responsibility to address this crisis. Now, who they're talking about, is Greg Jackson, the executive director for the Community Justice Action Fund, and Rob Wilcox, the senior director for the federal government affairs at Every Town for Gun Safety, that are supposed to play roles in this office. And this new office is supposed to somehow take a look at gun violence and find ways to prevent it. Now, we're not looking at mental health, we're not focusing on family units. 
We're not looking at the disaster of the Biden economy that's caused individuals to go into panic or have some type of anxiety or depression or trying to figure out how to pay their bills, which makes them go and lead to a you know liquor store robbery or something. We're not looking at any of that because, remember, the Biden economy is running muy bueno. The Biden economy is running perfect. We don't have to worry about how bad the economy is with your $6 gallons of gas. If you commit a robbery or if you shoot somebody, it's because you have the availability of a gun, not because you're stressed to the max and finally snap. This is the twist that the mainstream media and the Biden administration is trying to put on this. In fact, the crimes are actually good. According to them, in California, as you know, you can go and only have to commit a misdemeanor as long as you steal something less than $900 worth of value. You can go into a store, literally loot whatever you want to and walk out, and you'll have no repercussions other than maybe a misdemeanor slapped on you if you get caught. Outside of that, it's not a big deal. But if you kill somebody, then it's not your fault. It's the fact that you had availability to a gun. And if we could only take that away, then therefore there would be no gun Violence. This is literally the logic of the Democrats right now. And I'm trying to wrap my head around it. Now, again, they don't explain anything of what this office would do. But this new office of gun violence prevention is the next stage in the gun confiscation across the nation. And it's directly after, coincidentally, New Mexico tried to do a suspension of concealed carries and concealed carry permit applications within the Albuquerque area for 30 days, thinking that that would deter violence from the bad guys. And while the Democrats acknowledged it and actually made our arguments for us, and while the media acknowledged it and actually made our arguments for us, they showed how stupid this was. But the Biden administration's adamant, just like they have been with the student loan forgiveness program, that if they don't get whatever they want, they will find a way to make it happen through executive orders, through starting new administrative programs. They will find a way to do anything that they want because they're in a state of desperation because the poll numbers are so terribly bad for Joe Biden. And the problem with the Democrats is they don't have anybody else to put up. Gavin Newsom's not going to do it. At least he wants to. But the Democrats are trying to hold him at an arm's length because he's kind of ruined the state of California. Michelle Obama's another option that's been floating around out there. But she's got no political muster to really win over a large portion of the party. They definitely don't want someone like Bernie Sanders because Bernie Sanders has tried it a few times and he's already getting old as well. He's not quite looking like the new sexy fashion of the younger version of the Democrat Party that they want. So they need to find somebody else. The problem is they haven't invested in the future of the Democrat Party. They don't have anybody because they've tried to keep them out. So what do they do? They have to put up Joe Biden. He's the only guy that's been able to beat Donald Trump so far, and it looks more and more every day like Donald Trump may become the nominee for the Republican Party, so we need him to beat them again. And by beating him, we mean by like staying in your basement not doing anything and hoping that just the anti-Trump vote comes out to actually make him president. And then hopefully when he uh, fulfills the operation, Joe Biden tripped down the stairs while trying to tie his shoe, Kamala Harris is in a position where she looks semi-popular with the general population and with the Democrat constituency, but right now she's not in that situation, so they can't hype her up to be the presidential candidate and bump out Joe Biden. So the Biden administration has to do what they can to look good, and by looking good right now, that is doing whatever it takes to complete an agenda. And they did it with the student loan program. While they tried to implement their student loan forgiveness program, it got shot down. Now they've implemented a new one that's essentially the same thing, just student loan forgiveness light version B. 
that forgives it for some individuals and then lets you make payments without interest racking up on it if you don't make enough money. If you do make enough money, then to hell with you. You still need to pay all your interest because you're subsidizing those that aren't paying their interest because that makes all the sense in the world. They'll always find a way to get what they want. This is no different. They can't openly confiscate firearms. They can't openly ban firearms. So they're going to do what they did with the COVID-19 pandemic, and they're going to clear it as a health emergency, a health mandate through the Office of Gun Violence Prevention to figure out why people are committing gun violence and to find ways to not solve their issues on why they're committing the violence, but to take the firearm away from them to make sure they don't have the ability to create the crime with the firearm and maybe do it another way with a knife or with a car or somewhere else with fentanyl. I mean, those things are totally cool as long as we don't do it with a firearm. Then everything's okay. And because Congress won't be able to act on it because there's not enough support in the House representatives and Democrats to go after guns, they'll find a way to do it themselves. And the best way to do that is to create a brand new agency, a brand new department, a brand new office that is the Gun Violence Prevention office that's about to be launched with the announcement from the biden administration on friday this week this is the whole next level in the drop the teaser the breadcrumb the social experiment that wasn't supposed to be public yet was the testing of this program from the new mexico governor that tried to suspend the two-way issues and concealed carry permits oh yes there's a reason for everything that they do and also you may have let the uh let the animal out of the box now Democrats now have to jump on it earlier than expected. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason. With Andy Hoosier. So there's a new poll that shows less and less people are actually trusting the political system. They don't trust the political system. They don't trust the political parties. They want something third party. In fact, according to the latest now, take this with a grain of salt because they always say this and it never actually turns out to be this way. But the, there's a vast majority of people from both sides, registered Republicans, Democrats, independents and affiliates that say that if there's a solid third candidate into the 2024 election, if it is a rematch of Trump and Biden, that they would go for the third-party candidate. 40%, which is still not enough to win an election, but it would drastically affect the election depending on which side overwhelmingly goes third-party as opposed to their party candidates. And it's going to get very interesting very quickly if that's the case. But with the ongoing disbelief in our political system, I have to strongly disagree with that. Andy, what do you mean? How could you say that you don't believe the political system isn't working? What? And here's what I'll say. Our political system works fine when we use it, because right now we're not using it. We have a system, and our system works. And right now we seem to be wanting to reinvent the wheel constantly, but right now we're not using the system. If we have a true constitutional republic if we have a true laissez-faire free market capitalist system, if we have a true limited government concept of federalism, states' rights, allowing them to make the decision, if we actually operated under that system with three branches of government, not four, and we got rid of the agencies and the bureaucracy and so on and so forth, if we got rid of all of that and actually functioned the way we were supposed to function, our political system would work. 
The reason things are messed up right now is because we're not using the political system that's supposed to be in place. We're abusing it. We're manipulating it. We're twisting it. We're adding on to it. We're building from it. And we're building it not like really cool like in Minecraft where you can build something neat. We're building it. By the way, the only reason I know about Minecraft is because my nine-year-old daughter is obsessed. But we're not building something cool and building onto it. We're building things that are going to crumble and fall apart because there's no sturdy foundation underneath them. So, no, the political system works. The reason people don't trust it right now and the reason it's not working is because, well, we're not using it appropriately. Which is really funny because I don't understand how we can say the political system's not working. We don't trust the politician, but yet we're going to give the politician more power. And that's something maybe Democrats need to explain to us just a little bit because I don't understand that concept. According to Axios.com, the latest survey from the Pew Research Center shows that uh, we are at a 70-year low with trust in the government. 70 years which is about normal for a political cycle or for a generational cycle for things to happen and for the new generations to forget what the older generations have gone through. And if we're at a 70-year low in trust in the government, then why would we give the government more power? Why would we allow them to spend more and tax more? Why would we allow them to create new government departments and agencies? And why, when something bad or negative happens in society, why would we go to the government to solve the issue for us and the government feel like they need to solve the government for us? Remember, the government is nothing more than a reflection of what we allow to be in there. The government is a reflection. Elected officials are a reflection of what we see in ourselves, whether it's the lack of trust in, for the individual the lack of strength and focus on the individual, the lack of focus on maybe a higher power, the lack of focus on individual sovereignty, state sovereignty, and the concept of federalism. All of that is reflected at the federal level on who we put in power up there to make the decisions for us. And right now, we have a severe lack of um, self-confidence, if you want to put it that way. A severe lack of self-confidence for us to make our own decisions for ourselves. We have a severe lack of confidence for our statewide governments, which is why we like centralized power at the federal level. So therefore, we elect officials at the federal level that are promoting that type of agenda to centralize that power. So while we distrust the government and complain about the things that they're doing, we're also allowing them to take more control of us. And I don't understand how that makes sense. But this new gun violence prevention office is just the next step of them wanting to centralize that power, think like they're taking care of us, and yet get rid of more of our rights that they don't have the right to take away. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, this is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Reason, common sense, rationale. That's what we do here on the show. Welcome back into it. Always wonderful to have you along for the ride. So again, programming note, I'll be off the next couple of days. Looking forward to some R&R. Well, I say R&R. And then the Mrs. Voice of Reason will say, hey, let's uh, clean out the garage or something. I don't know. <laughs> let's repaint the house. So we'll do as, as much R&R as I possibly can. Welcome back into it. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation, one radio listener at a time on our multiple radio stations all over the place, plus TV, live streaming, podcasting. However you check us out, we always love you, appreciate you very much. Let's shift gears a little bit, get into our what's trending story of the day. What do you say? 
What's trending today? Happy to have our next guest on the program as he is really just south of us here from our home base and our flagship radio station out of Wichita, Kansas, down in the great state of Oklahoma. As we talk about masculinity, we talk about health, we talk about ways to stay healthy and the attack that we get from the left. I'm not going to get through this interview without laughing and chuckling because of how ridiculous this is. And it all started, I think, with COVID. And the good news is, is that we've had a great, I, I like to call it an awakening to some degree of many individuals during the COVID pandemic, realizing how little control we had on our health and the direction that we've been going. Because as you know, you weren't allowed to take things like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, which probably just got me banned off of YouTube with our live streams. Totally okay. Uh, but you had to take the vaccine. You had to wear three masks to apparently protect yourself. And then when we asked them, and I I got in a Twitter debate with actually our Department of Health and Environment uh, Secretary for the state of Kansas, Dr. Lee Norman. He's not there anymore. But at the time, I got in an argument with him over that because I tried to argue with him and say that near 80% of the population was deficient on vitamin D3. And vitamin D3 plus zinc and magnesium actually boosts your immune system overall, especially focusing on your lungs for people that have things like, I don't know, pneumonia, which might be beneficial during a pandemic that hits, what? Oh, I don't know, your lungs. And he was like, well, that's true, but you really need to get the vaccine. That's really not a big way to save yourself. And him and I went round and round on that for a few times. So the awakening happened of, wow, I'm not allowed to make health decisions on my own. To the point now, there are arguments saying that if you try to stay healthy, if you try to stay fit, if you try to exercise, and if you try to be the macho man out there, that you are now part of the right-wing extremist MAGA crowd you can no longer just go and work out and actually just be a normal human being by i don't know staying fit talk about that and more excited to have on the program here for the first time he is a former statewide and regional bodybuilding champion yeah he'd laugh he'd look at me and take a laugh for sure Uh, he's an ex-professional baseball player also a 24-year retired veteran from the police department from the great city of tulsa oklahoma and a former gubernatorial candidate for the state of Oklahoma as well. Excited to have on here Dr. Mark Sherwood. Mark, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this chat as well. And there's so much we're probably not going to fit this all into a half hour, so we're going to have to get you back on again soon because this is I, – I, I never thought there would be a time to where if you say that you're wanting to be healthy, you eat clean, you exercise, you take vitamins, you try to naturally keep yourself in a healthy state so you don't get sick, anything from like – the COVID pandemic all the way to the flu, that that somehow is now ultra right-wing MAGA extremism. Like, fill me in here. Why in the, how in the world did we get to this point? Well, I think it really started probably bleeding that direction, if you will, maybe 15, 20 years ago. With, and this is going to sound crazy, but I'll tie it together, with the increase of the obesity crisis. You know, we see the obesity crisis now being the fastest growing non-communicable disease in the history of mankind. America now is uh, really the, the tipping point for the obesity crisis around the world. We export that for profit, et cetera. Uh, 20% of children right now are obese. 70% of American population right now are either overweight or obese. And as that sort of trend developed, we saw that more the normal normalcy process. And then, you know, people like my wife and I, we've been fit or practiced, you know, our functional medical institute practice. We we promoted, you know, anti-obesity and we don't don't have type 2 diabetics. We don't believe that should exist. And so we pushed that direction for a long, long time. And now 
were looked at more like freaks and weirdos and, and <laughs> radicals and all that. And I think it's just been a continuation of this. You know, the celebration of unhealthiness is becoming the popular theme. And as you noted in the intro, very well done, by the way, it's, it's where now we're seeing the, the shift where the people that are fit are, they're the radical extremists. And it, it couldn't be further from the truth. Fit should be the norm. Yeah. Our diets are a major part of how we live our lives in our daily, whether it's medical issues long term, whether it's the obesity issue, like you mentioned. And it's very difficult to get away from not just fast food, but just what's in our food altogether um, that makes it difficult to live a healthy lifestyle. Is that something of a concern for some of the maybe the chemicals and some of the things that we actually put in food today, the preservatives that we put in that's causing a health pandemic in the nation? Yeah, yes, sir, without question. We're seeing uh, chemicals that are allowed into our uh, food supply that are not allowed in other countries. Uh, For example, something like a high fructose corn syrup seems pretty innocuous, but the liver, we don't metabolize that right, and we end up with this non-alcoholic fatty liver, which is very common today as well, leading obviously to uh, type 2 diabetes and other sort of maladies like that. But there are chemicals in our food supply that are shocking. Everybody listening right now could just look at a processed food label and you're going to see you know a multitude of ingredients on there that you cannot pronounce and i can tell people unequivocally that that's not the way god made it so it's not in the original package it's probably not uh, good food and so we've been kind of brainwashed if you will to sort of consume these things as we hear all the time well you have to have calories and it's actually not about calories it's about nutrients so you really want to shoot for nutrient-dense foods, foods that are absent of other chemicals and additives, and keep the ingredients as short as you can on the label and keep the package uh, in the original package God intended as as original as possible, and then we're going to get some real food in our bodies. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather get my actual burger that's made from an actual animal as opposed to a tofu burger that has like 40 different compounds and chemicals in it because that doesn't sound appealing to me in any way, shape, or form. But with the stuff that people are eating And the struggle that they have with obesity now, we've now turned obesity into almost an entire identity itself. And if you criticize someone for being overweight, not because the fact that like you just look like crap or look like a slob, but because, hey, I don't want you to have a heart attack because that puts more stress on your body. You're now somehow victimizing that whole group of obese individuals like that's taking it to another level as well. It is. And you remember back years ago when you look at pictures, and I think uh, most people have looked at a historical picture from 100 years ago, and you you rarely saw someone that was even chubby. Most people were very thin or quote-unquote skinny. Today, when you look at that same picture, it's rare to see someone that is skinny. And today, as people uh, make changes on the positive side of things, they begin to make the changes, and they lose weight, and they're going to say, hey, uh, what's wrong with you? Are you sick? Do you got cancer? Which is the irony of the thing is that they're getting more healthy. And in our practice, we look at people that come to us and they are suffering. And I say that suffering with all uh, sincerity. They're suffering through obesity. We're not trying to disregard where they are. We're trying to love them enough to tell them the truth because obesity will lead to type 2 diabetes, heart disease, cancers, um, et cetera, et cetera. So, I think love is telling people the truth, even if it hurts a little bit. I completely agree with that one. Talking with Dr. Mark Sherwood, he is with the Functional Medical Institute, great state of Oklahoma, also ex-bodybuilder, which I do want to talk about that uh, later as well, because I find that quite fascinating. But with this with this focus on 
obesity, you're right. We take a picture from the past to now. The question is why? Why? I mean, obviously, stuff's in our food making it difficult, but why such a drastic change? Is it laziness? Is it because of technology making it easier to where we're not as physically active throughout the day? Is it from education where we're taking out a lot of physical activity? How did we get to such a radical point where there is so much obesity that it's almost the majority of the population now? Yeah, the answer is D, all the above. You know, you go back and look at the uh, when the government got involved in the food supply, i.e. the food pyramid. That was a disaster. After they instituted that back in the early 80s uh, and began to teach that in school, we saw obesity begin to just explode out of control. And incidentally, at that time that the food pyramid was rolled out, one state, yes, just one, had an obesity rate of more than 10 percent. In 11 years after that was rolled out, every state passed 10% except one. And now we have many states today that are over 60%, including my home state of Oklahoma. So we have that. Then we have the uh, lack of physical education in schools. So uh, young people are moving less and sitting more. And then we have the ability to you know, reach out and touch somebody with technology so people are not interacting anymore. They're not having conversations. When I was growing up and I remember my parents would kick me out of the house in the morning and I'll see you for dinner time and we'd find something to do outside. And so we've, we've seen all that happen. And then you, you tag on the ability for us to not be able to get out and experience nature anymore. Then you see, uh, interestingly enough, a deterioration over our immune resiliency, which is tied into the COVID mess, of course. Yeah. Exactly. It is uh, very unfortunate, and it's very sad with how far we've come from there. And it's going to take a lot of work to get us back on track from the clean eating, from the exercise, getting back into the routine of these things. Have they changed the pyramid, by the way? I don't know if they've actually changed the pyramid at all on the food scale. Yeah, they've adapted it a little bit to what's called my plate now. And so they, the biggest thing about the pyramid was was you know we need we know this that decisions at governmental level are not based based upon truth or not based upon what's the right thing to do they're based upon lobbyists yeah. and the lobbyists push those buttons and we saw that food pyramid go out like a a bang where fat was demonized <laughs> cholesterol was deemed as the, the cause of heart disease and then you're supposed to eat 6 11 servings of breads and grains well they they backed off that now and they still have the breads and grains in there just to last. They still have the, the dairy in there. Just It's so um, shifted the right direction, but I don't believe it's ever going to shift the, the total right direction just yeah. because of the money involved. Yeah, we got a ways to go with that. As Dr. Mark Sherwood, we got to take a break here. When we come back, I want to continue this conversation on how we can get ourselves back to this healthy state in this nation. Lots more coming up. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Freedom, reason, common sense. That's just what we do here on the show every single day. Welcome back into it. On the home stretch, maybe last few minutes of the show. Oh, how it flies right on by. We're hanging out with Dr. Mark Sherwood. He is uh, in the great state of Oklahoma, former state and regional bodybuilding champion, former ex-professional baseball player, former uh, Tulsa Police Department officer, and also with Functional Medical Institute in the great state as well. Uh, so many directions that we can go and so many things to talk about as we try to find ways to get ourselves healthy again. But i got to ask you about the bodybuilding industry, the weightlifting, the working out. Uh, I am 
not of that form. <laughs> we'll just put it that way. I, I have enjoyed working out up until about my 20s. And then when I went to college, I kind of stopped doing that. And I'm starting to do it again to get back in shape, which is nice. Not that I'm overweight or anything, just want to get fit again. Uh, but I mean, when you do something like that, I can only imagine the rigorous process of not only working out, but the diet, like you said, that has to go into this as well and taking in a certain amount of calories or certain types of proteins in order to do that. But fasting, was that ever thing that you did was fasting or certain type of diets that you would go through? Yeah, it's interesting, Andy. You know, way back when, you know, the fasting concept was not really popularized yet. Back then it was eat small, frequent meals. And as you progress now in the last decade or so, intermittent fasting is more um, in vogue. And it's actually pretty darn healthy because a lot of people don't know that when you fast, the body has a chance to recover, rebuild, repair, restore. And when you're fed or in a fed state, the body cannot do those things, which is really interesting to know. And then uh, with weightlifting, you know, I've done it for now 45 years, you know, it seems like a long time and it has been, but, you know, I still get up and do that every day. It really, it's about maintenance of muscle tissue to maintain mobility and the more muscle you can maintain, well, back to our previous segment one conversation, the less body fat potential you can attain. Yeah. I love that idea. Yeah, it feels good, too. When you get back into it, I see, I get psyched out because I'm like, man, I used to be able to bench this much. I'm used to be able to do squats for this much. I used to feel so good. And now I go in there, I'm like, oh, it's been 15 years since I've done this. And I feel really stupid and really bad. And But it takes me once or twice, and then I'm almost back to that level. Like, your your body kind of remembers it. Yeah, the muscles have incredible memory they want to develop. And, and that that's where, you, you know, people got to get their minds back around it again. You've got to move more, sit less, move things, uh, continue to move heavier things. And that progressive part of that is is where the fun begins. I mean, you want to see how you can sort of gamify this thing called life. We talk a lot about here at the Institute about the biological aging speed and processes versus the simple chronological aging speed and processes. And we need to optimize the the uh, the former, you know, the biological speed and processes. By doing that, just it's it's moving more sitting less. It's realizing that sitting is new smoking, and it's realizing that the the only day you don't move is the day you're dead. Yeah, well, that is very true. I got to work on that regiment sitting in a radio studio for ten hours a day. That one's kind of a hindrance for me, so I got to work on that one. From the medical side of it as well. Speaking of fasting, like you said, I remember that as well. Eat smaller portions for you know like eight to ten meals a day at very small portions, and constantly have that coming in. I enjoy fasting. In fact, in fact, I tried to push myself and last year I ended up doing a, a full on six day fast and not just an intermittent, but six days of fasting with nothing but tea and water. And I felt amazing when I did it. And it, it was really great. Yeah. Uh, from the medical side of it, uh, I've also heard that if you have the flu or something that doing a one day fasting actually helps cleanse out your body and get rid of a lot of infections. Is that true? It is true. When you fast or when you're in an unfed state, you go into what's called this state of autophagy. People can look that up, A-U-T-O-P-H-A-G-Y. When you're in a state of autophagy, the body has a chance to clean up, recycle, repair, regenerate, rebuild, but it also has a chance to activate some of your NK, your natural killer cells, your immune system kicks in to go out and be able to actively fight a, a virus. And the old saying goes is, feed a cold, starve a virus. I mean, so our ancestors really knew what they were doing, but that autophagenic process is one that we need to do more often because 
that is the way our body can repair. Yeah. I love those tips, and it's not something that we hear about often anymore. Now it's just go get a vaccine, and here's a pharmaceutical pill. Be on your way and go take care of yourself. And, man, we could go down so many different directions. We're out of time, my friend. we got to get you back on the show and do this again real soon. What do you say? Yeah, man, I love you. I appreciate you having me in. Absolutely. I love it. I love the conversation. We definitely will be doing this again here real soon. It's Dr. Mark Sherwood. Go and check him out. Functional Medical Center in the state of Oklahoma. And go check out all the cool stuff that he's done all around the board, from the medical to the bodybuilding to the baseball playing and beyond. Pretty awesome. We'll get him back on the show again soon. Until then, I'm back at it on Monday. Finally taking a couple days off, although I will be live for our syndicated weekend program. Until then, be your own voice of reason. Have a wonderful rest of the week. It's time for you to speak up, speak out, speak loud, speak proud, speak the truth, and always speak some reason. This is The Voice Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.